You may be seated. And the ushers will come and collect your cups. And Actually, despite what the screen says, we have a new series that we are starting. And uh, the series that we were started it last week called Positioned for Presence. Did you guys sense his presence during worship today? Could you sense his presence? I sensed it. I felt it. His presence is always available to us. He's always present. He's always amongst us. Last week, I coined a new term, presence pimples. Remember that? Those presence pimples that you feel when you're in his presence, you get all tingly all over. Goosebumps. But that gives credit to the goose, and I don't want to give credit to the goose. It's great to be in his presence. It's in his presence that our lives are changed. It's in, our, in his presence that it's confirmed that he is real. It's great to be in his presence. How do we position ourselves to be in his presence? How do we uh, approach our day to be in his presence? How do we come to church on Sunday positioned for presence? Last week we talked about some of those things. Some of them are, are, are basic things. We, we, we come in and we submit by raising our hands and praising him and worshiping him through an act of submission and surrender to Him. Uh, we might use our voices to sing out uh, promises and how great He is and the promises of forgiveness and things that He's done for us. That's praise and worship. When I talk about His presence and being positioned for presence, I will say things about worship. And, and worship, yes, on a broad sense is how we live our life. Everything we do is worship to something. It can be worship to the flesh, or it can be worship in the spirit, but what we do is worship. Now, when I talk about worship today, I'm specifically talking about praise and worship, that, that time of coming together and praising Him, positioning ourselves for His presence. We sensed it some today in our worship service, and we're going to get an opportunity to encounter His presence even more today in the service. Worship helps position us for His presence. So what is worship? Worship is this activity of glorifying God in His presence with our voices and hearts. The definition is, is worshiping Him is an act of glorifying God. When we worship Him, we are acting out in a good way, in a way that He designed us to act out. To act out in such a way that's glorifying to Him. It's important to worship Him with our voices and with our hearts. It says, in, as I read last week, we're to uh, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It says, all the earth will make a joyful noise. But corporately, we come together. We call it church. We do it once a week on Sundays. Some churches meet multiple times on the weekends. Uh, we, as a church, we come together representing a large church. 
which is the Church of Woodland, the Church of Yolo County of the United States of the world, the church that comes together and worships him. But there's a church that even larger than that. That's the church that has gone before us and the church that will come after. We are all gathering together to worship the Lord. It's a big, awesome, outrageously incredible choir singing out, worshiping the Creator, God our Father. Worship is important. Worship is incredible. And corporately together, we get to do that. We get to praise Him and speak about Him. Colossians 3.16 tells us, Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom, with all the wisdom He gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. We are, we are instructed to do this. We did some of that today, and we're going to continue through our service. Why we gather together. The primary reason that God called us into the assembly or into the church is that as a corporate assembly, we might worship Him. That's why He called us together, not just to gather for one another's sake, not just to see somebody you haven't seen all week long. He gathers us together on Sundays corporately to do what? To worship Him. That's why we come, not to collect tithes and offerings, not to listen to a preacher just preach. We gather together to worship Him. These are all ways that we worship Him, whether it's through singing and maybe it is through our tithes and our offerings. It is through listening to the Word of God as it's preached. But He instructed us to do so. That's why we do it. God at one point, demanded of Pharaoh that he let his people go out into the wilderness. Why? So that they could worship him. But there's results we can expect when it comes to genuine worship. I want to talk now, and I'm going to go through a list of results that you can experience or or expect when you go into genuine worship. Then we're going to talk about, well, what is genuine worship? How do we get to this place of genuine worship. And yes, then we're going to do it. We're going to go after His presence this morning. We did it in our worship service, but we're going to do it again today, and so I'm preparing you. We're going to do it some more. We're going to worship Him in spirit and in truth. We're going to go after genuine worship. Why? So we can encounter His presence. Results of genuine worship. When we worship God in the sense of bringing glory to God, Not to bring attention to ourselves or bring glory to ourselves. When we truly give Him glory in our hearts and with our voices, several things happen as a result. Number one, we delight in God. We probably experience delight in God more fully in worship than at any other time. Knowing what the message was today and last week as I was driving into the church this morning and I had a Christian radio going and they had music playing. I turned it up and was carefully listening to the songs and I wanted to sing along or at least let it come from my heart. Maybe I didn't know the song, but as I heard the words, I could, I could let those words be my words. I could sense his presence. There is no other time that is as powerful in my mind when it comes to experiencing Him, then in a place of worship. True, genuine worship. 
It's a place where we're able to experience delight in God more fully than many other activities in our life. King David writes psalms, many psalms, and in Psalms 27, verse 4, he says, The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. Psalm 16.11 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Paul, or pardon me, David, he didn't have a life uh, that was perfect. In fact, he had a lot of struggles in his life. I, I think about our life today and, and what I focus on and what I watch isn't always joyful. There's times that I can watch uh, social media or watch the news and find myself depressed or saddened by what I read or by what I see. But David knew a trick. He knew that, you, and he says it, God, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is a fullness of joy. A fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures evermore. If I focus my thoughts, if I focus my heart upon Him, I can have joy abundant. It's focusing my thoughts on Him that brings me to that place of genuine worship. Second, a result of genuine worship, number two, is God delights in us. What does God do when we worship Him? The amazing truth of Scripture is that as the creation glorifies God, He also takes delight in it. When you worship Him, He takes delight in you. Don't you want God to look at you and be delighted in you? Have you been in that other place where you've disappointed someone and you knew it? You can see the look on their face. Do you also remember the times that you did something well and people would look at you with delight? Doesn't that feel wonderful? Isaiah 62, 3-5 says this, The Lord will hold you in His hand for all to see, a splendid crown in the hand of God. Never again will you be called the forsaken city or the desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God. For the Lord delights in you and will claim you as His bride. Your children will commit themselves to you, O Jerusalem. Just as a young man commits himself to his bride, then God will rejoice over you as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. We, the church, known as his bride, he rejoices over us when we worship him in genuine worship. In Zephaniah 3.17, it says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm your fears He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Genuine worship, a result of genuine worship, number three, we draw near to God. We draw near to God. We we just remembered this new promise, this new covenant as we partook in, in communion this morning. This is a new promise. There was a point in time where you could not, God's people were not able to draw near to Him. They had to wait and have the priests Go before them and connect with the Lord. It was through them that they would 
find relationship with God. But that's why he sent Jesus. So that today you and I, all of us, can go directly into his presence. We can draw near to him. Hebrews ten nineteen says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, because of Jesus' death on the cross, we can go into the holy of holies, into the most holy place, by the new living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through the, his flesh. And since he, we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We talked about preparing our hearts for communion. We need to also be in that place of preparing our hearts for genuine worship. And when we do that, we go into this place, this holy place, this place full of His presence. True, genuine worship positions us for presence. And when we draw near to God, number four, He draws near to us. James tells us, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. It's found in James 4.8. In the Old Testament, when God's people began to praise Him at the dedication of the temple, they had built this temple for the Lord and at its dedication, this is, this is what I desire for us as a church or for all churches to see this again one day. He descended and made Himself known to them. Second Chronicles 5. The trumpeters and singers performed together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord. So I, again, I think the Lord likes there to be uh, uh, excellence in how they come together and how they praised Him. They did it together in what? In unison. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raised their voices and praised the Lord with these words, He is good. His faithful love endures forever. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. Results of genuine worship is we get to delight in God, and God delights in us. And when we draw near to God, He draws near to us. And then there's a fifth one, God ministers to us. It's not the primary purpose of worship, but it it does come from genuine worship. Our primary purpose for worship is to glorify God. The Scripture teaches us that in worship, something also happens, though. We ourselves are built up, we're edified. When we worship God, He meets with us and directly ministers to us, strengthening our faith, intensifying our awareness of His presence and granting refreshment to our spirits. Who who would like refreshment for your spirit? Hebrews 4.16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. I I, I picture this. Some would say, well, Pastor, I'm I'm tired. I, I don't have much boldness left in me. Well, then just to come to His throne would be an act of boldness to step outside of your weariness to go to that place. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. That boldness may not be 
uh, bold so others can see it. It might be something that nobody knows about you. And for you to just stretch your hand was the boldest thing that you could muster up for that day. But he is a gracious God. And when you do that and you enter into his presence, you will experience life change. There we will receive his mercy as we go on in verse 16 of Hebrews 4. There we will receive the mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. I love this passage. This is probably a theme verse for our church. 2 Corinthians 3.18, I'll read it again. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. From one level of glory to another level of glory, every time we go into His presence boldly before His throne, fighting through whatever we have to fight through, just because we want to be positioned for His presence, guess what happens? His glory changes us from one level of glory to another, not for ourselves, but for His glory. Number six, this is a powerful one. Genuine worship does a lot for us, but one thing that can happen when we go into genuine worship is this, the Lord's enemies flee. When the people of Israel began to worship, God at times would fight for them against their enemies. For, for example, when the Moabites and Edomites and Syrians came against Judah, uh, King Jehoshaphat sent out the choir praising God in front of the army. It was the choir that went out ahead of them. He appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise Him in holy array as they went before the army. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, uh, there was the Lord said, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon and Moab and, and, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah so that they were all routed, so they were done, a, done away with. Worship is a powerful thing. And lastly, genuine worship helps unbelievers know that they are in God's presence. I love when I hear testimony of people that will visit a church or attend church for the first time and and they just walk into the room and and they can sense something different. They don't know what that sense is, but it is different. And that difference is presence. When the people of Israel worship God, they They got to encounter his presence. When his church worships him, we get to encounter his presence. When we're encountering his presence, unbelievers will come to know his presence as well. 1 Corinthians 14, 25. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed, and they will fall to their faces or to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly here among you. In my study time, there was this paragraph I want to read to you that I found in, written by one of the uh, 
Well, I forget what they're called now, but uh, help me out, Dad. What are they called? Um, what's, they, what's that? I know. Whatever these guys are that writes about the Bible. Commentators, commentators. Wow. Maybe God doesn't even want me to share this with you, but let me read this to you. He says, it is appropriate to ask whether there is much genuine, deep, heartfelt worship in our churches. In many evangelical churches, people do not truly worship God in their hearts until the last hymn or song after the sermon has focused their attention on who God is so that they begin to rejoice in God with a heart full of praise. But then, just then, heartfelt worship has begun. The service abruptly ends. It should be just beginning. If genuine worship is lacking in our churches, we should ask how we can bring ourselves to experience much more of the depth and richness of worship, which is the natural response of the believing heart to a clear awareness of God's presence and character. Is there anything else we can do to make worship more effective? We must remember that worship is a spiritual matter. And the primary solution will therefore be a spiritual one. When we come together on a Sunday morning, when do we really start to believe or sense His presence? When do we get to that place of genuine worship? I understand that sometimes it takes a few songs to get to that place. But I want to encourage you, when you live a life of worship, it's a continuation of worship when you get here on Sunday mornings. For some of us, yes, don't, I'm not going to tell you not to come to church because you haven't been worshiping all week. But for some of you, you have been worshiping all week, and this needs to be a continuance of, those, for, of that. And for those that haven't been able to worship all week, and you needed to be in God's presence today, it's because the body of those that have been worshiping that you're going to be able to enter into His presence again. I'm going to have the band lead us in one of the songs that we just were worshiping to earlier. This time, though, I want us to really focus our hearts on just this genuine worship. Today, there's been a, there's been a, a theme, I believe, that the Holy Spirit has kind of brought to the service. And it's this theme of forgiveness. But not just forgiveness, it's Unity and forgiving of, of one another. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that is specifically for you. But I know he wants us to encounter his presence. I told the worship team... On Thursday, I said, you know, today we're going to go after his presence. Church, do you want to go after his presence?
for all the reasons that we mentioned. Don't you want to delight in him? Don't you want him to delight in you? Draw near to him. Don't you want to be close to him? Let's all stand. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all our praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.